You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to Sports on a Sunday morning. There's a swing and a long one. That's a goner for Bader. Touchdown, Kansas City. Johnson pops a three. Hey. Presented by Brown Crouppen. Brown Crouppen, 222-2222. Oh, the Bayou Billiken says I'm involved too. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to hour number two of Sports on a Sunday morning here on KMOX. I'm Mike Claiborne, and we have a fun Hour set up for you that includes a little baseball talk. Bob Nightingale will join us and we'll talk some baseball on a national front and also what he thinks the Cardinals might be in the market for. And followed by Bob, we'll have the Cardinals president of baseball operations, John Mosellock, and just find out where old Mo's up to these days. You know, it's kind of a quiet time where you have free agency and everybody's trying to plan or at least trying to have an idea of what 2021 is going to look like from the start of spring training on. There won't be any virtual, there won't be any winter meetings. I would imagine they'll have something on a virtual variety. So we'll get an idea of what the next step is, not only for the Cardinals, but certainly baseball as a whole, because there's some questions that still need to be answered with regard to, for instance, the DH. You know, you would think by now that somebody would say whether they're going to have the DH in the National League or not, uh, and I think that has a lot to do with how you deal with your free agency situation and your roster as a whole, making sure you have a, a, a capable designated hitter or at least some options. And so we'll find out where they're at on that front. And also we'll have a chance to visit with the head coach at the University of Missouri. He is Eli Drinkwitz. Uh, I don't think you could have a better game than what they had yesterday. The defense had a shutout. The offense rolled up over 500 yards in, uh, in total yardage. And uh, you had a rusher that rushed for over 160 yards. So what more could you ask for? Oh, yeah, you could have a first female player to participate in a conference, a power conference football game. And we saw that yesterday with Sarah Ferguson. She had one play when she pooched a kick down the right side, and it was a designated play. And uh, that was her only action because um, Vanderbilt only kicked once in the entire day, and that was the opening kickoff for the second half. So we had that to talk about. So we'll have a few other things to get into a little later in the show. But so we've got a lot of things we want you to be part of. So what we'll do here is take our first break. When we come back, we'll have a chance to visit with Bob Nightingale of the USA Today, get his thoughts on where are we going with this baseball season. And and again, I know that it's kind of a quiet time and things kind of slow down around the holidays, but you don't hear anything. I mean anything. And, and here's the here's the elephant in the room. The collective bargaining agreement expires after the 2021 season. And while there were a lot of a uh, lot of saber rattling taking place during the negotiations just to get these 60 games in, um, I would think that these guys ought to be in a room and at least laying the groundwork on where we're headed with this thing, because the last thing baseball needs is some sort of labor issue leading into the 2022 season, and and certainly before the end of the 21 season. Fans are going to be a little antsy about whether they're going to make an investment in the baseball when they have other options. And remember, 
you're going to have a lot of sports that are going to be directly competing with baseball for a bulk of the season. So the question also would be in play is, does Major League Baseball need to have a 162-game schedule? Is 140 where you start it later in the year, the weather's a little bit more consistent. Perhaps the vaccine has come into play where more people would be vaccinated, where you'd have more fans. So a lot of things go into that. So I think it's something that everybody needs to kind of step back and take a look at and talk about. But I would hope that owners and players are having some initial conversations on where this needs to go because they don't want to have a season where this is going to be a huge cloud over their heads and then go into an off season with no clarity. So we'll, we'll get at Bob's ideas on what he thinks might happen next on that. But in the meantime, we'll take our first break. We'll come back. We'll have Bob Nightingale of the USA Today coming up after we take this time out on your voice for the Cardinals and St. Louis University Billikens, KMOX. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning, presented by Brown & Crouppen. Brown & Crouppen, 222-2222, on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back, everybody. 1114 on KMOX. Mike Claiborne here. Let's go to the guest line and standing by is Bob Nightingale of the USA Today. And first of all, Robert, it's been a while, man. It seems like uh, baseball season ended like a year and a half ago. I don't know what it is. What about you? Yeah. Such a strange season, everything else. It seems like there's a uh, the off season is you know, slower than ever. And you know, we don't have to when are we going to start next season? Yeah, that's a great point you make. And, you know, it's been such a quiet season. In free agency, uh, there's been a few people that have signed. But one of the issues, I think the bigger issues this offseason, not to mention when we're going to start, but free agency, um, issues at hand like the designated hitter. You would have thought somebody would have said yay or nay on that. And, and what the season may look like, as I mentioned, on how many games we're actually going to play. So you throw all that into the equation. And I think, as I mentioned earlier, the big elephant in the room is the collective bargaining agreement that expires after the 21 season. And I think we saw the remnants of how this thing could get ugly and just how we were able to barely get 60 games uh, in play this year. Yeah, I think the same thing's going to happen again, you know, uh, you know, next year as well. It's just going to, uh, you know, we'll see when spring training starts. How many games, you know, are the players going to take a pay cut? If they don't, will there, will there be a two games? Because people are going to be losing money again without the, uh, you know, full capacity of stadiums. And like you said, and they still, they're still arguing as far as uh, arbitration, as far as how do you figure out arbitration numbers, uh, you know, for, for, for January. Where do we go from here? Who who um, makes the first overture to try and get this thing back on track, or has that already taken place? Yeah, they're talking now, but it's been, uh, you know, it has been, it has not been pleasant. Just it hasn't been the news. I think the players are saying, if hey, arbitration, let's just multiply by two point seven. Uh, you know, that makes up a full season. And the uh, owners are saying, wait a minute, now, you know, that's not quite right either. So they're still trying to establish, uh, you know, what arbitration number even means. So I think a big date is uh, December 2nd here. So that's when uh, players have to be tenured contracts. And I think you're going to see a ton of these arbitration guys get non-tendered, which is going to flood the free agent market even more. 
Bob Nightingale, the USA Today, is with us. We're talking a little baseball here. Flooding the market. Will we see a lot more short-term deals? Because we have no idea what 2022 is going to look like because that we don't have a collective bargaining agreement in place. And if you if you shorten these deals, guys are going to take what they can because somebody's going to be left without a chair when the music stops. Yeah, I think there's going to be a ton of guys in uh, February still without jobs and have to take one-year deals. Uh, you know, try to jump in the market a, a year from now. You know, I mean, every every team lost money, so no one's going to be just throwing you know tons of money at guys. There's only a uh, probably two or three guys that are going to make the money they should, and that's it. So you know, if you don't tend to win your deals, some of the players are looking for you know opt outs and uh, see if they can hit the market again. You know, once money starts coming back into baseball. The old opt-out, boy, oh, boy, that's been the best thing a player could ever have to his disposal is the opt-out clause. Hey, let's talk a little bit locally about the Cardinals. It's been kind of quiet around here. From where you sit, what are you hearing about the Cardinals? What do you think their needs are to be better than they were last season, and how do they go about uh, remedying that problem? Well, I still think, you know, Adam Wainwright comes back, the same type of contract he's been signing the last couple of years, just a uh, – you know, a cheap base salary with a, with a lot of incentives. I think in Yanni Molina's case, it's just a lot like Jeter at the end of his career with the uh, Yankees, where the Yankees said, yeah, go ahead and shock yourself, and then, but, you know, we'll be waiting. And I think, they're, you know, Cardinals are saying, we don't think we're going to a two-year contract, but we'll certainly, you know, we'll certainly match him with a one-year contract. So, you know, I think Yanni comes back, too. I mean, obviously, yeah, there's some, you know, good players out there, particularly, uh, uh, you know, Third baseman, Nolan Arnato, uh, I don't think there's any doubt that they're shopping him. But, you know, who's going to jump on that contract? He's making $35 million a year, you know, for the next six, seven years. That's, you know, so much money now. Uh, I think even a, uh, a guy like Chris Bryant, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility the uh, Chicago Cubs not tenor him, not wanting to pay him 19 or 20. So if they move him, I think they're going to have to swallow some money themselves. Uh, so it, it's going to be interesting out there. I mean, you're, you're going to be guys like uh, Kevin Kiermaier of the uh, Tampa Bay who had such a uh, good postseason. You know, they're even shopping him because they only want to pay, you know, $12 million. Interesting to see that. And you mentioned the non-tender situation comes up this week. It's not a deep pool of free agents as we speak. That could add, though, uh, after Tuesday. Um, give me a team or give me a player – that you think might be of interest to the Cardinals with regard to a free agent signing that's not going to cost them a whole lot of money, but maybe they can get a little mileage out of them. Um, you know, this is a situation, as we mentioned, everybody's going to be cautious with their money. Length of contracts is certainly going to come into play, but is there somebody you think is going to pop up on the radar that might be one worth kicking the tires on? I think a guy like uh, uh, Jake Lamb was going to be a cheap signing. He was a, uh... You know, with the Arizona Diamondbacks, you know, they let him go during the uh, season. Oakland picked him up, and, and, you know, he was decent for them. So he's the guy you can certainly take a gamble on and, uh, you know, no risk thing and play uh, third base and see if you can get some more uh, offense out of him. Uh, you know, obviously they need some, uh, you know, offense somewhere. Uh, you know, maybe they need that outfielder. You know, there's outfielders out there. I don't think, you know, I don't see the Cardinals jumping in and George Springer's going to be fakes. But certainly there's going to be so many outfielders out there. You know, why not take a shot in some of them? All right, you mentioned December 2nd being a big day on the calendar as far as non-tender is concerned. 
Um, is that the, is that the next big date that we need to pay attention to? And as you see on the calendar, some other dates that are going to have an impact, which ones should we be paying attention to? Yeah, I think that, yeah, December 2nd date uh, will be a massive one. Then I think teams will say, okay, let's see, we're going to focus in on uh, trade-wise uh, in, in free agent-wise. I think we'll see, uh, we'll see a, you know, a flurry of some trades uh, early on this week just because of that date, knowing that hey, if we don't trade our guy, we're not going to tender him a contract anyway, so let's mm-hmm. get something out of it. So I, I would think we'll get a, uh, some movement there, and then maybe a lot of movement you know, uh, on that date. Because remember now, if you get uh, you know, file for arbitration, you go to uh, get your arbitration settlement, you know, you, uh, it's not a guaranteed contract. So I think we'll see a lot of one-year contracts signed you know, right before the five o'clock deadline there, because at least that contract would be guaranteed. You mentioned trades. And as I said earlier, it's kind of, a, it's not a deep pool of, of players free agent wise and teams want to get better. At least I think they do. Uh, most of them do. So do you think we'll see more trades because that's a little bit more, you know, certainty. Now, granted you move in assets compared to just writing out a check, but maybe that's a safer move at this point. Do you think we're going to see a few more trades coming up? And, and make, because it sounds like to me, there are a lot of good players that are going to be available to be had in a trade. And I'm not sure what the return's going to be on some. Like, for instance, the Cubs, I'm not sure if the Cubs can expect a lot from a guy for Chris Bryant, considering his contractual situation and how the, there wouldn't be a lot of length left to his contract. And you don't want to give up too many prospects along the way. No, you only get him for one more year anyway, and he's a free agent. Uh, I'll be interested to see what you know Cleveland get for uh, Francisco Lindor. Uh, there's no doubt in anyone's mind they're going to trade him. They're telling teams they want to move him before opening day. So you know he'd be a great fit. Obviously, you know a great fit too for the for the Cardinals if they want to uh, take that gamble and think you know what he may like it so much in St. Louis. Uh, you know just like a a holiday type season and those type of things and uh, uh, you know go after him. You know Cleveland will get prospects. I don't think they'll. They're not getting as many prospects as they would have a year ago. If they only got yeah. them for uh, one year max, you know, perhaps maximum. Hey, before we get out of here, uh, Hall of Fame, uh, you want to handicap who you think has a real good chance to get in this year? I think the only new guy, Mike, that's going to get is Kurt Schilling. Uh, you know, he was at the 70% threshold. So, you know, usually when guys are at that level, it's easy to get them pushed over. I think Omar Vizquel makes a, uh, a, a big push. I think he may just fall short. I think he gets in, but maybe not this election. Then, of course, all eyes you know, will be on uh, you know, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens again. Uh, they got two years left. So they're, they're right around 60% last year. I think they got to get high 60s or low 70s uh, you know, to get them past it a, a year from now. But, you know, then, of course, the next year's ballot will be really interesting because you have David Ortiz on there plus Alex Rodriguez. Interesting for sure. Hey, Bob, as always, man, it's, it's great to read your work. It's good to talk to you. Didn't see you this year, and I'm a little disappointed about that. So hopefully the next time uh, we cross paths, it'll be in early 21 somewhere once we get this COVID thing squared away. But more importantly, stay safe, my friend. Keep up the great work, and I'll be in touch. All right. Look forward to it. Thank you, Mike. All right, that's Bob Nightingale of the USA Today. 
We have more baseball coming your way because next is the president of baseball operations for the St. Louis Cardinals. He is John Mozalock, and he comes your way after we take this time out on your voice for the Cardinals and Billikens, KMOX. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning, presented by Brown Crouppen. Brown Crouppen, 222-2222, on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. Mike Claiborne here. It's 1130, and we have a chance to go to the guest line and standing by as the president of baseball operations, John Mozalak, who I have not seen in person since March. I just realized that. How are you? First off, happy birthday. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Another one. And, and I got news for you, Mo. This one has a lot more importance in 2020, considering all the things that have surrounded this particular year. So I'm very thankful to be able to celebrate a birthday. Well, good for you. And uh, you're right. It's been a crazy year. And uh, I don't know if we're quite over the hump yet. But, uh, you know, certainly there's some optimism for next year, especially when you think about baseball and what we're trying to do. And uh, it might not look exactly like 2019, but um, in terms of how minor leagues and all that go off, but I still think you'll see a lot more baseball than we saw in 2020. And I think that's uh, good news for everyone. For for you, what's the biggest adjustment you've had to make in the off season as there are some things that are probably not readily available to you to address. So what do you try and focus on more that you do have some sort of control over? Yeah, I think the, the the biggest focus so far is is just trying to plan and have different scenarios set up for for all the different potential obstacles that we may face. Still, when you think back to this time last year, everything was business as as usual. We were just prepping for the 2020 season. We were very excited um, about entering winter meetings at this point. You know, just with just. The, the normalcy of, of, of the ebb and flow of an off season. And whereas this year it's already, you know, obviously drastically different. Um, still haven't been on an airplane commercially uh, since I flew back in middle of March. And so, you know, it's just so different. And, and normally like after Thanksgiving weekend, you have a, a week of prep, you have the tender date, uh, middle of the week, and then typically it's it's gear up for winter meetings, which would be the following week in, in some location. And, and knowing that those are already canceled, how we're going to sort of work around that, you know, it's just, I think like from the fan standpoint, people just have to realize that the, the pace and the flow of the off season is just going to look totally different. And I think all of us are just going to have to sort of adapt and adjust as we go. You, you mentioned the tender date, and I was just talking to Bob Nightingale. Um, this is going to be a different look, especially because, A, teams don't have as much money to play with as they normally would. B, we don't have a collective bargaining agreement after this upcoming season. C, the, the, the pool of free agents as we know it before uh, Tuesday was not a deep one. So what do you anticipate on Tuesday as far as the non-tenders are concerned? Well, I, I suspect you're going to see a large amount of non-tenders, but I'm guessing, like the Cardinals, I don't anticipate having a lot of activity in that regard. Um, still sort of internally debating one particular player, but for the most part, it's, it's you know, we don't have any of those, like, really difficult decisions that, that some teams are being faced with. But again, I think, like, 
everything you just surmised is is really that that uncertainty of what we're all trying to get a hold of. And it's not like we're we expect to have the answers to this uncertainty. It's just being able to work within those parameters. So when the go button does go off, we're we're ready, we're prepared. For you, um, obviously, we're going to play. <clears throat> excuse me, at some point. And as you look at the priorities for your ball club for 21, what what are the priorities as far as what do you need to address? What do you feel good about as far as already having uh, an Apple supply of players at a certain position? What's the one thing you want to definitely address in the offseason? Well, first off, I, I think going into 2021, we, we feel like we do have a lot of depth on, on the pitching side, whether that means guys that could either – spend time in the rotation or spend time in the bullpen, but we feel like we have a lot of quality arms and it's just a matter of putting them in the right spot to be ultimately successful. You know, look, we, we can't hide behind the fact that, that or run from that offensively, we just weren't consistent. So anything we can do this off season to help ramp that up is important. Um, I still feel like, Last year is tough to to sort of draw complete conclusions on what we saw or didn't see because it was such an odd year. Um, and, and I know it was odd for everybody, a 60-game schedule. But for the Cardinals in particular, we just never were 100%. And, you know, when you think about the, the COVID cases that came into camp versus the outbreak versus the uh, contact tracing, it just, you know, we had a hard time really getting, gathering our footing. And so I, I think it's a little bit tough to just make conclusions on what we saw there. But, you know, that's all we have. So we're going to have to use it um, to some level to help make decisions. But I think the biggest thing for us is just trying to find some consistency with our offense. President of the Baseball Operations, John Mozalak, is with us here on X. And, Mo, one of the things that I'm scratching my head about, you guys had your general manager meetings virtually recently, uh, the DH. Why do you think we haven't had some sort of definition with regard to how it's going to shake out for, for 21, be it in the National League or do like we had last year? Okay, so I'm guessing here, but I would say the, the biggest reason that hasn't been a conclusion on that is the fact that there probably are some owners that aren't necessarily in favor of it. And just to give it to the player's side, I don't think is um, how baseball's thinking about it. Because I do think on the player side, they would be in favor of it. And so I just think it's more of a, probably more of a bargaining chip than anything. Mm. And, um, you know, clearly as we're entering December, though, it would be helpful to know. <laughs> <from a planning laughs> standpoint. Yeah, I would think for a person in your position, yeah, having an idea on whether a DH is going to be part of your 2026-man 20, roster is something I'm sure you'd like to have put to bed by now. Hey, you know, you mentioned a bargaining chip. Do you think this is going to get contentious between players and owners? I mean, I think we saw the remnants of it, you know, just trying to put a 60-game schedule together. But do you think uh, we're going to see everything be put in that perspective, whether if it's going to be good for the players and maybe we're going to hold off or the players feel like the owners are going to get too much here? Is this going to be a fish fight, fist fight here? You know, there's probably 10 different ways to answer this, but I'm going to go with right now. I hope not. Um, you know, I think 
all of us, you know, everybody involved has really more to lose than to gain. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I hope cooler heads prevail. And, um, you know, we saw what life was like without baseball because of a pandemic. It would certainly be a shame if there was uh, no baseball because of a labor strike. So strife. Um, so, you know, ultimately let's hope that, that things can get worked through and, and, uh, you know, baseball was was riding a pretty good high, I think, uh, prior to the pandemic, and hopefully we can get back on there. Hey, before we let you go, um, minor league situation, any movement on that, or, or is that just all going to fall into play once we realize how many games we're actually going to be on the schedule? Yeah, a couple thoughts there is, one, I think we're, we're going to, you'll see an announcement here probably by the end of the week on just exactly how the uh, alignment is going to look and, you know, where the cities have teams and all of that. And then I also feel like um, we probably will have a pretty good idea by mid-December on what um, the the actual seasons will look like. And it may, what I mean by that is number of games. But ultimately, I do think minor league players will have places to play, um, you know, even if we're having to, to do something creative out of our Jupiter complex. But you know, right now, from a budget standpoint and how we are thinking about it from a strategy standpoint and planning standpoint is there will be some minor league baseball some way, somehow. No winter meetings this year as we know them. Uh, will that be virtual for for all the uh, executives in baseball at this point? Or what are you hearing on that? Uh, yeah, so so as you know, and you've been to them, they're, they're, not, they're not really truly meetings for, like, people like me. It's more... Um, departmental, if you will, um, that have their, their, you know, annual time to get together. Ours are much more during like the GM meetings where you see a more um, traditional curriculum or schedule uh, of topics to talk about. Whereas uh, winter meetings is more of where we spend a lot of time with agents and possibly other teams. So, you know, that'll just be done as if it were the week before. And I don't think much will change. We may have like one or two, virtual meetings that that have to happen just maybe to talk about some of the things that we just discussed on potential changes or rules but for the most part i uh i don't think i'm gonna have to like book a zoom for five straight days (laughs) you know i know you're gonna miss that 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 fireside chat evening visit with all the media guys where we sit around and ask the questions that that's going to be the one thing that's going to i hope doesn't devastate you because we won't be able to do it this year you know, now that you said that, though, I think I will do one or two that week. All right. I'm looking forward to it. I miss I'm you looking guys. forward I mean, to it's, it. It's, it's I, so, hey, you know what, Mo? You to say I miss you, too. Sick, right? No. no. <laughs> uh, you know who I'm talking about. I know exactly <laughs> who. I know exactly who. All right. Hey, listen, uh, it's great to hear your voice. I know we haven't had a chance to talk a great deal. I hope your mend is coming along well. And uh, I got to be honest with you, man. I miss you, and I'm looking forward to seeing you here uh, hopefully sooner than later. That sounds good. Well, you be well. Happy birthday. All right. Thank you, sir. Take care. He is John Mosellock, the Cardinals president of baseball operations, and always good to visit with Mo. And, you know, as I was saying to him at the the beginning of the conversation, there are a lot of people I have not seen since February or March. Um, And, you know, when you start to think about it, I mean, from a broadcast standpoint, I'll see Mike. I've seen Mike and John and Ricky and Jim Jackson and Danny Mack on the TV side. But, you know, we just didn't see each other. We haven't seen each other. And, you know, you you miss some of them. I miss just about all of them.
I got about two or three that I could do without, but they're not any people I work directly with, so I'm good with it. All right, got that out of the way. We're going to move on. We're going to talk some college football because the head coach of the University of Missouri, Eli Drinkwitz, is coming up next, and he couldn't be in a better mood after what he saw his Missouri Tigers do yesterday. We'll find out more when we come back here on KMOX. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning, presented by Brown Crouppen. Brown Crouppen, 222-2222, on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Another big hole off the right side. Larry Roundtree, the third, with his third rushing touchdown of the day. 25 yards. Mr. Roundtree had some sort of day yesterday for the Missouri Tigers. Three touchdowns, rushing for over 160 yards. And with us this morning is the head coach for the University of Missouri. He's Eli Drinkwitz. And first of all, Coach, could you have asked for a better day? You get a chance to actually play a game. Your defense goes and gets a shutout, and they were really good. Your offense rolls up over 500 yards in, in offense. And also, you were part of history. And you didn't even have to leave the state of Missouri to have all this fun. It Can you have awesome. a better day? It was awesome. No, you can't have a better day. Uh, the only thing that would have been better is if we could have celebrated your birthday and had some birthday cake with it. So happy birthday to you, Claves. Uh, and uh, that's what we wanted to give you for your, your present was a Missouri Tiger. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And uh, I might not have as much cake as I used to, but you know what? Uh, the, it's the thought that counts. So I appreciate that, sir. No doubt. Hey, uh, no doubt. How, much, how much fun was that yesterday? Because I know for you and your staff, to, to sit there and not know when you're going to play and who you're going to play and that dreaded phone call that you got two guys under the limit that have tested positive. How much yep. fun was it actually to get out there and call plays and, and just inhale the environment? Yeah. It, you know, in this season and this environment where everything is unknown, just the opportunity to play the game, you know, that's what I told our team, you know, it's just, we have an opportunity to play the game. We love when you came to Mizzou, you wanted to play on a 50-degree Saturday in November against another SEC opponent, so let's go out there and have fun. And, man, our defense played lights out. They they were unbelievable. Coach Walters and his staff just did a tremendous job. And, you know, our offense came to play. Larry Roundtree, I don't think we can say enough good things about him. And, and uh, boy, it was – I hope everybody enjoyed it. Yesterday was a day of – there was a history-making moment. Uh, while Vanderbilt was not initially scheduled to be part of the weekend – um, Sarah Ferguson actually made history being the uh, first female to play in a power five conference football game. They showed you and her having a conversation before the game. What was it like to, to look in her eyes and see what she was about to partake in? And then knowing that you still had a job to do, you know, you wanted her yeah. to get on the field, but you didn't want her to beat you with a field goal or anything. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. You know, I just have a tremendous amount of respect for her because, you know, this isn't something she signed up to do. It wasn't like she set out and said, hey, I'm going to go break uh, the female barrier in Power 5 football. She got a call Monday and said, we need help. Our football team needs help. All of our guys are in quarantine. Can you help? And she answered the bell and knew that it was going to be scrutinized and there was going to be questions and, you know, all the different things that happened. But she showed tremendous courage. Uh, to be there for her team. And, man, that's that, that's awesome. And it was a proud moment uh, for me just because, again, like I said, it, it has nothing to do with whether or not she was, you know, the best place kicker or whatever. It has to do with, man, when her team needed her, when her university needed her, she was there and she answered the call. And that's that's pretty phenomenal in my opinion. 
Eli Drinkwitz, the head coach for the University of Missouri, is our guest here on KMOX. And, and Coach, I want to talk about both sides of the line of scrimmage, starting with your offense. We talk about Roundtree and the great day that he had. Your, your offensive line dominated from the snap of the ball, first snap of the ball. Was that more of the fact that they are now starting to play together more because you had some guys that were up and down because of COVID? Uh, how much was the cohesiveness important in yesterday and how you guys were able to establish your will offensively? Yeah, I think it was huge. I mean, we got Larry Bourne back, who's who's probably our best offensive lineman, um, you know, talent-wise and size-wise. And he'd been out for, you know, four games with the MCL. So for him to battle back, he wasn't even 100%, but it just gave us such a lift up front. And then Xavier Delgado battled through a high ankle sprain, had a tightrope surgery, is back a week ahead of schedule. And for him to play, I think it just gave our guys that extra lift they needed. And, and uh, we really appreciated their toughness and effort in that game. And your defense, I mean, I would ask you who was your best player on the field, but every time I looked up, it was a bunch of guys making a tackle. It wasn't one guy. I mean, you was straight-up gang tackling, and that's something every yeah. coach has got to appreciate. Yeah, our guys have we, – we get hats to the ball. There's no doubt about it. I mean, obviously, with our defense, Nick Bolton is the bell cow. I mean, he had nine tackles, two two TFLs, and a sack yesterday, and I mean, he consistently, in my opinion, is the best player, defensive player in the SEC uh, with the stats that he puts up and the way he plays the game and, and hope that he will get the recognition that he deserves. Um, but, but we got a lot of guys really playing hard, really doing what they need to do and, and playing as a unit. And, you know, with the, the roster situation as it is, if a guy can stay negative, he's got a chance to play when he shows up to the to the stadium these days because of the fact that the, the numbers yeah. are so thin. So if he stays clean and stays in shape and stays ready, there's a good chance he's gonna get his uniform dirty. There is no doubt. I mean, if you can if you can wear a mask, wash your hands, and stay away from the COVID, you got a chance to play in the SEC now. <laughs> there's no doubt about it. Hey, so as we talk on Sunday morning, and I'm saying Sunday morning. What's the designated cutoff for your team if there's someone who tests positive and maybe your opponent uh, coming up next week? What's the designated cutoff day on when you can play or submit rosters or just have a feel? Or is this something that leads right up to game time? Yeah, you know, for the SEC, the process starts uh, Sunday. We have our first test of the week, and we turn in our roster numbers by noon on Monday. And then that gives them, if there's somebody they know can't play, they can adjust the team on Monday by five. Um, you know, if your numbers look good, they don't adjust it. You still have two tests, a Tuesday test and a Thursday test. So usually all of our games would be decided by that Friday noon, whether or not you're going to be able to play. Who's on your schedule for next Saturday? And we're saying well, this is Sunday because things could change. Yeah. You might be playing East yeah. Tonell Wesleyan by next yeah. weekend because no. they may be the only ones available. No doubt, no doubt. Well, right now, the SEC has us scheduled to play our rivalry game versus Arkansas for the Battle Line Trophy. Uh, it was scheduled last week. They flipped it with Vanderbilt because Arkansas didn't have enough. But right now, we're scheduled to play Arkansas. I haven't heard uh, that to be adjusted, so look forward to playing the Razorbacks here. be a home game. Uh, I know there'll be a lot of intrigue and a lot of uh, a lot of chatter about that one, so look forward to a great contest. And I know at this point, 
and I've gotten to know you a little bit. You you probably have a whole back pocket full of plays you've just been sitting on, and I bet if somebody had a chance to watch you practice, you probably would work those maybe two or three times during the course of a practice, unbeknownst to people who weren't paying close attention to your practices, just for next weekend and weekends like this in the future. Would I be warm on that one? You'd be warm, brother. You'd be warm. We get, <laughs> you know, this is a big game for our state. It's an important game for us. Anytime you have a trophy on the line, you want to win it. And uh, that, that for us is a big deal. And so uh, we're going to have, we're going to have some extra, extra, extra ideas into the game plan. That's for sure. And, and let's, let's face it. You know, you have a chance to run the table here and, and have a, a, a winning record of six and three. Uh, and I know that when the schedule first came out and you didn't have a chance to practice your kids for spring ball or a lot of other things, what would that say about the commitment of your, your players and your coaches if you can get to that point? You know, I haven't really put too much thought into it. We're just trying to take it one game at a time because, you know, anytime you start thinking too far ahead, you, you're bound to get disappointed. You know, for us, I think it would be huge if we can find a way to win this game this week. You know, to be 1-0 this week, to win a rivalry game, I think for us that would set us up uh, for some success, not only in recruiting, um, but to continue to recruit our state the way we want to. And, and really, for me, that, that's my entire focus right now. I haven't looked at the totality of the schedule because right now, Fred, like you just said earlier, I have no idea who we could play. They may, they may you know what? Somebody else. You know, what? what's interesting about that, and I had a chance to talk to Travis Ford, St. Louis U basketball coach, earlier about the fact that when these games come out of nowhere, you really, you and your staff have to go back to teaching the basics on what you guys do well because all the film study will go out the window because you're going to be playing a team that either, A, you haven't seen before, or, B, a team that doesn't have a full roster of players you were expecting to see. So for yeah, you, that, I, I would imagine yeah. that's got to be a lot of fun at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a challenge every week, but that's why you like coaching because you get to face challenges and figure out what, you know, what you're good at, what the other team's not good at. But I tell you where it really shows up is in the in-game adjustments, just trying to figure mm-hmm. out the in-game adjustments, and, and that, that really is a lot of fun. Hey, Coach, uh, we're out of time. Uh, we appreciate you spending part of your Sunday with us. Again, congratulations on a near-perfect game yesterday, and I bet you have one more of those up your sleeve before this is over with. Continue to have fun and success. Stay safe up in Columbia, and we'll see you down the road. Happy birthday, brother, M-I-Z. Thank you, sir. Z-O-U. He is the head coach at the University of Missouri, Eli Drinkwitz. We've had a busy show. We thank Eli. We thank John Mosellock, Bob Nightingale, Travis Ford, Otis Anderson, and Steve Savard visited with us in the first hour. We thank you for listening. We look forward to talking to you soon down the road right here on Your Voice for the Cardinals and St. Louis Billikens, KMOX. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.